Welcome to the Slant and Go. It's a podcast about the NFL. It's fantasy football when we get around to it. Sports, life. We love football. We do. We love beer. We love fantasy football. Any conglomerate of those three things are what we talk about and or enjoy while we're talking about everything. Everything, including NFL, fantasy football, sports, life. Johnny Manziel, what team is this kid going to go to? I heard he's, he's like doing a little uh, tryout with the Raiders. Uh, just heard this uh, a little while ago. That's right. He's visiting the Raiders. He, uh, do we care? Do we care? That's, a, that's an excellent <laughs> question. That's probably the question of the hour. I, I personally think he's either going to – I think the Raiders are showing interest legitimately. Um, you know, they, have sh- they got Schaub in free agency. It's a good, you know, a good, good pickup for them, I think. Um, I think Manziel is the kind of guy that would really appeal to that fan base, though. You know, I think he's a, he's a playmaker. He's kind of like uh, – he's just crazy enough to kind of make it work or something. Um, he could go to the Raiders at, uh, what are they picking, five? Number five, right? Um, if he doesn't go to the Raiders at five, he could, I, th- I see him going either to Cleveland at 26 or to the Raiders in the second round. I think he's, I don't think that many teams are that interested in him. He had his, his pro day, which was unusual, it was different, which doesn't always go over well in the NFL. I think like it's, it appealed to some teams, it didn't appeal to others. Um, like some teams aren't going to want the unconventional approach. Uh, but he, you know, he threw pretty well, right? No, I think, I mean, Andrew hit on most of the points that, you know, come to mind, I think, for both of us when you talk about Manziel. Uh, the, the playmaking ability is there for sure. It's just when you're talking about a first-round a first round pick for a team that still needs, like, impact from their first-round pick, it's, it's just, yeah, you can go with the upside. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe he'll find a way to make it work. Maybe it'll be great in the NFL. And, we won't have to, we'll feel like idiots for having doubted him or anything like that. But there's a reason this many people are concerned about about what exactly he's going to be able to bring, whether or not he's going to be able to like sustain his playability. So there's that. All that being said, I think that for that fifth pick overall for the Raiders, for their fan base sake, and for everything that the front office has been working towards sake, I hope they don't get stuck in a situation where. They take a, a left a left tackle or a right tackle because they need impact from this pick. They need to feel this pick. This That's the thing. Like you take take a quarterback at number five and then sit him for a year. Yeah, and it's like, like is that exactly go over well? the shop the shop trade brings to light what this front office is trying to make happen right now, which is they are actually trying to like go eight and eight or something or better and try and try and leverage themselves to be on the upswing. Right, if that starts to fail. Then whichever quarterback they draft, whether it's Manziel or someone else, they're going to get their rollout, and they're going to we're going to see what they got. If you get Manziel, your rope for Schaub becomes increasingly shorter. Yeah, for sure. Because as soon as Schaub starts to, if there's any remote shitting of the bed like he did last year, <laughs> you're gonna the people are gonna be calling for Manziel way too quickly. Then he's probably ready for it. Yeah. So that. That's how I feel about him going to Oakland. I do feel like it's legitimate, this whole two-day visit, but I don't think that necessarily tips their hat to, we're going to take him fifth overall. I think it's, you know, it's going to be a franchise that, to answer your question more directly, like, that, that is willing to take a chance, right? So it's not going to be one of the established franchises that, like, it's not going to be a good team that takes that guy. Even if he slips to the second round, it's not going to be the Patriots or uh, even San Francisco is not going to take this guy, right? So, no. no. 
Like who? Like where does he end up? If, he, if it's not Cleveland, I mean, I think I can see him in Cleveland. I can see him in Oakland. Who else might? So might if you talk it? about him getting to that through the first round and into the second round, you're talking about a team like Cleveland, maybe having three shots at the guy and not taking one. It's kind of hard to imagine for yeah. the amount of playmaking ability that they still require. But mm-hmm. it just it could be as simple as with their 26th pick, if they like a particular quarterback better. And they take that guy. Yeah. Well, sure. then, great. Guess what? He's gonna slide past Cleveland again, anyway. So, it's almost like if he nice for him, if he makes it out of the top ten, yeah. And someone that already loves him has already barely passed on him. Then what door does that really open for someone else to trade up? People aren't gonna mortgage their future to trade up and draft a quarterback that they're gonna sit for some time. Right. Right. Like right. your established teams, right? Maybe not. You got your other teams that are kind of we don't know what to think about them yet. Like. You know, a whole host of teams. They most of those teams have already been bad long enough to where they have some quarterback that they're trying out right now. Yeah. yeah. So it's a it's a tricky situation you for. You can rattle off teams and just eliminate a bunch of teams that just would never. They wouldn't take him in the fifth round. They don't need to, right? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. He's. It'll be really interesting to see where he falls. But I think he's not going to be the first or even the second quarterback off the board. I feel like if he gets past, if he gets past like Minnesota at eight, you know. Uh, that's gonna open this big slide for him, and he's. But people were calling, like, they're saying that he should be number one overall. I think those are just the people. The people that are saying that, which, which, um, I guess in theory, I can sort of understand what they're going after, where they're like, oh, you want like your number one pick has to be someone that put at, you know, puts people in the seats at your, whatever your stadium, can sell jerseys, can do all that, and you know, he probably can do all that as far as the, what he brings and and the buzz and excitement and everything, but. You don't end up with a number one pick if all you need is a quarterback. You always end yeah, up with a number one right. pick if you need more, right? <laughs> so, uh, generally speaking, just getting Manziel is not. I don't know if this is going to be enough to yeah. just turn that team around. Although the Texans picking number one and he's from Texas, that makes it maybe a little. I get more why people are saying. Yeah, I get why people are saying Houston should consider taking him at number yeah. one, but I think when they go pound for pound and they compare, even not even him to Clowney, him to other quarterbacks. Yeah. Then you go like, okay, well, really. Yeah. You have to do this right now with this guy. Well, if you don't love a quarterback, you shouldn't take him number one overall. You shouldn't not be gimmick oh, no. into that. No, no, there's no way. You do that with especially Andrew, Andrew Luck, but you don't do that. With Johnny well, Manziel. I mean, especially with the way the contracts are slated now, right? You're yeah. not, you don't have, you're not as committed to quarterbacks as you used to be, right? It is, like there's still quarterbacks now. Uh, Sam Bradford, Matt Stafford, uh, even Cam Newton uh, was. Well, Cam Newton was the first quarterback of the new draft slate of contracts, right? But yeah. right before him was. Stafford and Bradford. Look at those guys' contracts. Yeah, right. They're huge. Yeah. They're, these guys are st- – these teams are stuck yeah. with these guys. Like, yeah, you know? the Rams are – they're, like, they sticking with them for another year. They have to. Even though they wouldn't. They have to. They're, they're yeah. They owe the guy whatever his contract is, uh, signing it's bonus, whatever. $100,000 million. A hundred bajillion, gajillion, fulfilling dollars, much. right? Yeah. And so they have no choice, mm-hmm. right? Would they like another quarterback? Maybe. They prob- Maybe they would. Yeah. But they're, 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 they're in no position to – back out of their relationship with, with Bradford right now. Right. With the new collective bargaining agreement and all that stuff, you don't have to take more than two years to see if a guy's worth it or not. So, yeah, so if you don't love a, a guy... I mean, it used to be a leadership position. You were in there for 10 years, yep. you know, leading the you know leading the, the troops to war and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But so if you don't love a guy, yeah. you don't got to draft him. Yep. So two sides of the coin here that I want to talk about. One is uh, moves that have happened in the league. And then the other side of the coin is uh, the draft, and who's who for next year. 
has the potential to stand out. And, you know, we're kind of sneaking in some fantasy talk here as well. But, but um, where do you want, where should we start? Should we start with moves in the league, or should we start with uh, the draft? I'd like to start with free agency, to be honest, just because I feel like that has the most most avenues to talk about right now, yeah. and um, overall opens up the other the other range of topics that we could go into. Um, so, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing to talk about right now is, uh, you know, of all the free agents, all, all the moves that have happened, you've still got a guy like Chris Johnson out there as of today that's a free agent. Yeah. So, I don't know. What, what do you do? You Chris have Johnson, I mean, yeah. so the whole thing with him, he was saying before he was actually even on the market that he's, he's going to choose his team like midweek. I don't see that many teams that are that interested in the guy. To be honest, I think the Jets are probably the Jets is probably where he's going to end up. I think I mean there might be a, one or two other teams that are interested in him, but I just don't see like nobody's going to want to pay him what he's making now. And I, th I think the floor is kind of falling out from under him. He's asking too much relative to what you know teams can get in the draft, or you know like the, the running back position just isn't as as valuable as it used to be. Yeah, I think I think that's the biggest thing is uh, the change over the last few few years that we've seen has taken all of the steam out of like what running backs can really demand as far as how useful how useful they are how functional they are how necessary they are to an offense all that stuff so yeah a team like the Jets kind of that's what a lot of people are saying they think he's going to land I think it makes a lot of sense for him and for for the team Seems like the kind of thing the Jets would do you know right some guy who's like <laughs> I don't know maybe he's a kind of on the downside of his career he had like some good years and then like who knows what like he has some kind of attitude problems like he's not a hard worker see, in practice yeah so you know some things I, I don't think i don't think we're still really clear on to what was the downfall of tennessee was it oh their o-line just got that bad over a year com combined with maybe yeah. some lack of effort here and there or the all the always dubious big contract that came yeah. in and then you know all of a sudden your uh your numbers drop and all that mm -hmm. stuff like Maybe all those things combined is, is why, right. why it played out the way it did. But as far as, let's say, teams outside the Jets that would be looking to add him, I mean, that's where it starts to get a little thin. I mean, mm -hmm. the teams that I think needed running backs or needed running back depth, because everyone wants depth now yeah. as opposed to one. Very few teams have one factor back running back that gets all their carries. So everybody wants depth. The teams that had needed to fill that depth kind of did it already, right? Yeah. Team like Cleveland, they already got Ben Tate. Yeah. They're going to work with him and maybe draft someone. And did Jacksonville pick up a running back? Jacksonville picked up Gerhardt. Oh, and right. yeah, yeah. They did lose Jennings, Rashad Jennings, yeah. uh, two years ago to the Raiders, I believe. He was like a really uh, valuable piece for them that mm -hmm. that I think they lost a year too soon, really. Because mm -hmm. had they been able to keep him last year, I think he might have actually been the long-term running back there. Yeah. But anyway, the Jags – don't need a I think they've already invested in Gerhardt to be their starter yeah uh, you've got I mean, you start you just start railing to, like, we start naming teams like in divisions Cincinnati. yeah Cincinnati no they, they they've got well I mean if they let Ben Jarvis Green Ellis walk yeah maybe there's a spot there but they did seem really happy with what Giovanni Bernard could bring last yeah. year and he's the kind of the, your new age style of running back mm -hmm. where he can do it all you give him touches as opposed to carries. You factor in touches, yeah. and he's very capable in that sense. Plus, I think with um, their offense, the way it's like trying to 
the steps that they're trying to take. They're trying to be a pass-first offense, mm -hmm. which I would too if I had A.J. Green. You know, yeah. and yeah, yeah. they're trying to see what they have in Dalton and all that good stuff. So, I don't know. I mean, could could an offense benefit from getting Chris Johnson? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, but well, especially if he comes in with a chip on his shoulder and wants to work. You know, like, right? The guy's hella fast. He's super fast. He's durable. Actually, he's only missed like yeah. two games in his career or something yeah. like that. So that's all. That's all good. Could you play him at like a return position, kick returner, or has he not got the hands for it? Hands for that? I feel like no. I feel like no, just because his hands aren't bad per se. But I don't know if I trust him as like my punt returner all the time, right? Yeah, right. Um, I feel like the guy. It's similar to like if you had Jamal Charles, you yeah. know, you wouldn't be putting him at kick return or punt return unless you were super desperate and whatever needed. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I, I look at him as very similar. Um, so. Where else, other than the Jets, could he possibly? I don't know. <laughs> could he possibly end up? Chris Johnson. Okay. So Mike Lowry on Twitter. He said he he retweets. He retweets someone uh, saying Chris Johnson is a beast, and then Mike Lowry says he's really not, and he would get beat up by the NFC West defenses if he signed with the Rams. So that's just. Okay. Well, What's the Rams situation? Do they need a guy like him? Uh, I'm trying to remember they, who uh, I should know this off the top of my head, but there was a running back that they sort of discovered later last year oh, okay. after their Daryl Richardson experiment kind of faltered, and uh, he just kind of came to town and just started getting like 20 carries a game and just started yeah. working. Uh, I'm going to look up his name meanwhile. It's kind of a bigger back though, right? Yeah, and I, I think that that comment overall about getting crushed by the NFC West has as much to do about the caliber of defenses you're playing in the NFC West with three of those four teams have, like, top six or seven defenses. Yeah, you know, absolutely, like, but, I mean, yeah. he's so fast. I mean, he's played against good defenses before, you know, so I don't, I'm not sure about that. I think it's – if you played him as an every down back, I think that's true, you know, like he'd get ground up. But if you bring him in on third downs, kind of change a pace or something – so you'd have to have the right situation for him, what that, what that means. So you'd have to have a, somebody who can kind of take the first and second down reps, and then you put him in there to, like, you know, pick up nine yards on third down or something. Yeah, and I think the, the new – Bubble screens and stuff. The new kind of sort of – I guess you could call it the, uh, the new scheme for, for most running back situations on teams. I think it, it does kind of help a guy like him as far as, you know, for a guy that's going to get half the amount of carries he normally would. Uh, he's still super fast. Yeah. And still, still enough of a seasoned vet to know how to make all the runs work. Yep. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the, uh, maybe there's a way that this, uh, this new, this current status of of the running back position could could actually help him. Mm -hmm. But as always, when you're a free agent and you're trying to negotiate your own deals or your own market value, what have you, it all starts and ends with what kind of demand is he really going to look for as far as yeah. mo money wise. Yeah. If he's willing to take a a, splared, uh, a split shared gig, yeah. um, then he's going to get paid like a split shared running that's back. True, that's true. You know? yeah. yeah, if you're going to yeah, get paid, you have to be uh, kind of that every, every, every down kind of If you're going right? to demand top dollar, yeah. yeah. So, and and uh, the running back I was looking up was Zach Stacy. Zach Stacy for okay, the Rams. Yeah. That's came, right. came in last year and just kind of took it over. Yeah. It's kind of his job now. Yeah. And like, would you want a guy like Chris Johnson backing that guy up? Does he have anything to teach him? Is he uh, enough of a change of pace that you'd use him once in a while? I mean, yeah, I mean, pure pure scheme and running wise, yeah. All right, now we're we're just 
digging in here with Chris Johnson. This might be the Chris Johnson podcast at this point. I got five teams here uh, coming from um, a site. Obviously, he's officially a free agent. New York Jets, Baltimore Ravens, New England Patriots, St. Louis Rams, Indianapolis Colts. Any of those sound appealing? Of uh, of the five of those, I would think I would think the Colts would make would make yeah. a lot of sense because, as we've talked about in in our previous podcast, oh, yeah. um, uh, the Trent Richardson trade didn't reap the benefits they were surely hoping for, yeah. and they lost Donald Brown as a result of yeah. just whatever free agency. They kind of used Donald Brown as a change of pace guy. They'd, they'd run Richardson into the line a couple times and have Donald Brown get the first down. Donald, Donald Brown was kind of doing the dirty work, really, yeah. as far as – well, you can look at it either way. Either Richardson is doing the dirty work by running into a wall or yeah. Donald Brown is doing the dirty work by doing everything else right, right. and actually being a functional running back. So, uh, yeah, actually – He could come in and steal that job, actually. Richardson was so unimpressive last year. True. You know, if he came in and worked hard, he could come in and take that job over. Maybe maybe that's the situation he looks for. I mean, yeah. again, he's a speed guy. They play in a dome, all yeah, that good stuff. Right. Uh, they're a team that likes to run the ball. He'll get touches. Yeah. That actually – I mean, if I were him, I would lean towards that more than the Jets unless the Jets well, are really going to pay you more money. for him. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know. I, I tend to think that these players want to go somewhere where they're going to win and be successful yeah. more than they want, like, the extra – you know, between eight and nine million dollars a year. Like, yeah. if you could win a Super Bowl versus languish on some team that's going nowhere. Yeah, but it might come down to more about the running back position itself too, yeah. with how short that lifespan already is. And you want to kind of get your money up front. And that's true. That's kind of it, you know. Or with Andrew Luck, do you extend it because the offense is is doing a lot more, and he's more of a threat, and so yeah. he's keeping the defense honest. No, that's a good point. Yeah. You, give, you have Andrew Luck kind of taking the pressure off the running back position. Yeah, and and with the, the moves they've made, you know, they added Hakeem Nix. Uh, you got Reggie Wayne coming off injury when he does come back. Yeah. You're going to have kind of a – even more than that, you've got Kobe Fleener in tight end that he likes, Dwayne Allen coming off injury that they like. Like, a lot of punch that offense through the air mm-hmm. that, that, that could suddenly be like a logical yeah. landing spot for Chris Johnson. Uh, as far as those other teams – I guess I guess Baltimore again Baltimore I could kind of understand yeah. but I feel like Baltimore is still kind of in this like position where they're still trying to figure out what their offense is, is also because they've been this power running game and they're successful yeah. Ray Rice is doing great then they tried to like shift a little bit and be like more balanced mm-hmm. and let Flacco kind of run the show a little more yeah. and Ray Rice's numbers just dropped and everything just started falling off with him and and now he's got yeah. Now he's got legal issues to, yeah, right. to you know worry about, and they're just kind of wondering like, are they are they in a situation where they can handle adding a, another piece that could potentially be unhappy with how things are ending up? Yeah, you already got one running back that I feel you're still underutilizing. Yeah, in in, in, a, in a in a Pro Bowl caliber type of player with Ray Rice, uh, you're gonna add Chris Johnson to that and just be like, oh, we got another mouth to feed, and we're already not doing a good enough job of feeding yeah, all no, these mouths. True. So I don't see Baltimore as a real front I mean, runner in this. If Ray ends up in jail. For like half the season or something, I could see Maybe signing a veteran. Then, then that in, would right? make sense. Yeah. But with 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 everything we know right now, and Ray Ray still being there, yeah, I don't see that as a logical yeah. landing spot. I could have seen him honestly going to the Raiders if they hadn't locked up McFadden for another year, right? Honestly, uh, prior to you know prior to free agency starting, uh, as far as moves that I saw happening, I kind of thought that the Raiders would let McFadden walk. Yeah. They would go for Chris Johnson. 
pay him you know a sizable amount because they had a ton of cap room and just try and see if they could make it work with him yeah and that would be their running back they got McFadden at a supreme supreme deal so they kept him right, on, a, right. on a prove it or lose it structure and then you know I don't know if they'd still be they might still be looking to add uh, more to that but I feel like their investment in McFadden kind of ties them to like you know we uh, their investment in McFadden tied them to that yeah. prior to them getting MJD. Now they're they're locked in at running back. Right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. sure. I do think the Raiders have made some good moves this year, though, for this offseason. So that's true. I don't think know, they're getting uh, nearly enough credit. Job MJD. Uh, who else did they sign? Um, they signed two offensive linemen. Uh, they signed uh, James Jones. Yeah. Justin Tuck, Lamar Woodley, Antonio Smith. Terrell Brown, he's a Niners guy, right? Terrell Brown and Carlos Rogers, two former corners from the Niners, yeah. they, they brought over. So they sort of bolstered, you know, added added some healthy, you know, proven Yeah, proven, they added proven some guys. veterans, like some yeah. leadership. So they kind of went leadership on defense for the most part. Yeah. You know, guys that have been around the block know what they're doing. Yeah. And going for, you know. When Schaub on the offense, some, too. I mean, yeah. that's a – it's actually a good pickup for them. So they, I think they, they got a lot better. They were terrible, <laughs> but sure. you know, by adding those guys, yeah. they're not like those guys are. A lot of them are on the kind of the backside of their careers and stuff. They're not, they're not going to be blowing up the, like fantasy charts or anything like that. But they, they're gonna, they're gonna play solid. They're gonna like kind of make that team more stable, more consistent week to week. Um, and for them, that's an upgrade. I mean, I think they Agreed. actually they add a couple pieces in the draft. They actually could take a pretty big leap this year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think what they were trying to do was close the gap of beating themselves. And, and that's you, exactly get, right, you, yeah. you kill that by getting veteran guys that don't typically make mistakes that kill yeah. themselves and, and kill the team, momentum, games, what have you. Yeah. Guys don't want to shoot themselves in the foot, essentially. Yeah. If you combine that with, with like I keep talking about, with punch and impact from this this yeah. first pick at least if not more yeah the Raiders have actually proven over the last couple drafts to be able to find talent deeper and deeper in the draft yeah so their first picks haven't worked out in quite a while quite a while. really yeah, it really seems like they take a big you, chance on the first pick and then yeah, they, they, they have kinda, a pretty solid they take the, the big swing and you could I don't know I mean I'm sure I'm skipping over some guys here and something like that but you could say since like drafting Charles Woodson in the, in the first round they haven't really had a first pick a first like round 72 pick. 72 years ago right? that guy is old man <laughs> They haven't had like a, a first round pick that really like yeah. came in and, and had a tangible impact, right? Yeah. And in a positive way. Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> and um, there's some there's some uh, image floating around uh, the uh, the East Coast Sports Network that uh, showed you know draft picks that the Raiders have draft selections the Raiders have made yeah. over the last few years their first round picks and who they were, yeah. and then who was taken directly after them. Oh. The thing that I actually don't like about this <laughs> is that the uh, the implied the implied sort of notion here guy. is that you could have had this guy. Yeah. Well, guess what? If you had any of those guys and they turned out exactly as they have now, like yeah. let's say they, they take Calvin Johnson instead of uh, instead of Jamarcus, or they take yeah. Larry Fitzgerald <laughs> instead of someone else, or, yeah. or Aaron Rodgers instead of Fabian Washington, guess what? You're not going to have those corresponding picks the next year either. Because if those guys play as well, All right. you're, yeah, you're doing so this whole like the this whole like what if situation that yeah, people get caught up in. And, stuff, yeah. I, and believe me, I'm someone that looks back on drafts and be like, oh, we could have had that guy, could have had this guy. 
I'd prefer to do that in a one-off situation type as opposed to like a cluster like that yeah. where there's seven guys. Oh, every year you're going to have the same exact record and plug in. Yeah, it's great to think about an offense that has <laughs> Rodgers and Larry Fitzgerald and C.J. Spiller and Calvin Johnson all on the same team. That, that's ridiculous. If they're making that, that's that's their point. That, that's ridiculous. If, that, exactly. if it's any one of those things, like then I, you could I have had understand. Rodgers. Sure. They could that's have a great point. Yeah. Could have clearly you know, had Calvin had, Johnson. You know, Calvin Johnson. Yeah. I, that's totally legit. legit. You know, if you ended up with Rodgers, you're not going to end up with all those guys, yeah, right? Yeah, that's, that's why I think not how it people works. just float this stuff out there to try and like make the Raiders look like more of like this supremely and not like the yeah. slantandgo.com. No, we would never do that. No, we're we're straight up, straight not, down. Not Twitter.com the slash the slant and go. That's not. We just don't do that kind of. You're thing. You're not getting any kind of slanderous <laughs> behavior out of us like that, uh, unless unless you know certain players want to try and brand themselves with <laughs> oh no here we go <laughs> all right <laughs> a nice segue i like your segue <laughs> um i'll ride that segue um so yeah i get it see see what i did there all right so so you're talking about rg3 and 13 yeah <clears throat> and his antics this week of uh after going three and 13 oh yeah the guy comes out <laughs> like makes this big build up on instagram that he's gonna like unveil this surprise and what it is is his personal logo. He's been in the in the league for two years. His record is uh, 13 and 19, and he decides that he's bigger than the team. Yeah, I, that's my that's my problem with no, it. No, no, you know, I, I remember uh, growing up. I remember those moments. Uh, it was yeah, I, I distinctly remember these moments. It was like when Michael Jordan did the flight icon or logo. Um, Tiger Woods with his logo. I mean, after years of being at the top of your game, that's a that's the perfect moment to bring. Oh wait, no wait. <laughs> You're saying he no he, no. He, oh wait, second year in the league. <laughs> <laughs> like I, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Is this like a generational thing? Like a millennials thing? Like no no. I've, I've been in the league for two years. I earned this per, this logo. I'm branded now. Or is he just like he knows he's gonna flame out in the league, and so he's like trying to get the money when he can. I guess he's, I, just, I, don't, I don't know. Okay, so I'm a, as, as longtime listeners of the Slant and Go will know <laughs> in episode two, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm a former team from Washington fan. And yeah, there it is. Paul just pulled it up on his phone. Wow. See how it's got an R, a G, and a three in the shape of a heart. And his, his, comment, his comment was that he, this is his way of giving back. Your way of giving back is to make a logo that's like your your initials. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just don't get it. I'd, I'm kind of disgusted by the guy, to be honest. Yeah, whether whether or not this is like uh, I don't know if this qualifies as a generation gap or anything like that. But I don't I don't get it either. And and I don't think that it makes any sense to be uh, whether or not you're two years in the league or that that you know that's one thing. If you're two years have been like. Immaculate or, or something crazy or yeah, one of those is way Super better Bowl with Kaepernick run. doing this. Yep. And and that's the thing is like no one, whether or not people have approached him to try and make some kind of emblem out of him kissing his bicep or anything like that. I don't know. Maybe yep. they have. Maybe they haven't. Uh, whatever the case is, if there was, do I think he'd be doing the same thing with like trying to push it on social media and be like, oh yeah, like this is my emblem and this is gonna be and someone get this tattooed on them or whatever and stuff like that. Like. It doesn't. It's not going to happen, and and that's what I think this all boils down to is like, why is RG three doing this? Why is he trying to perpetuate this like logo of his and all that stuff? And I think that 
it just makes me wonder, like, what's going to happen if the guy actually starts, you know, if you, the Redskins yeah, start, the Redskins, oh, yeah, you know, if he survives the season, totally, because uh, he still hasn't played a full season, right? That hasn't happened yet. And of those full seasons, if one of them ends with him holding up something other than his logo, maybe like, I don't know, a Lombardi trophy or something like that, then, you know, maybe after that point you can kind of get on your high horse and try and give up, give back or something. Like who's he giving back to right now? Adidas, Subway? What, what, who's he giving back to? Well, 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 to his fans, and uh, we we have yet to hear any confirmed reports. But any of his fans that choose to tattoo that logo on themselves, he will be giving back to them for a very long time. So that could be a really great moment for just the gift of his logo on their body for the rest of their lives. Because, you know, getting other people's names and initials tattooed on you usually works out well for, <laughs> for people that like to go that route. But I don't know. Someone's going to do it. Someone's going to do the RG3 logo tattoo. Yeah, and then what are or they going to get? Or maybe they already have. Maybe they already have. It's coming. But probably somebody who it. went out immediately and got it. Yes. I don't doubt that. Yeah. I think someone has it somewhere. Some idiot yeah. somewhere. Probably yeah. in Washington, D.C. Yeah. I mean, I still have my Jake. I still have my Jake Plummer tattoo from Arizona State, but that that's just Don't where I went to that. school. Um, I think I think I took the uh, I I took the softball question here with uh, with our the segue to the RG three logo before yeah. getting to hear the rest of your thoughts on the Raiders uh, as far as their moves and everything like that. Yeah, I just I just think they're gonna they're gonna play a lot better this year. Yeah, you know, like the product is gonna be better. Um, and, I, you know, that fan base is actually I, – I have respect for that fan base. I do, too. I, 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 you know, I kind of – I make fun of the Raiders a little bit. Yeah. Like they've been terrible yeah. for a long time. But they actually – I have respect for them. When the fans show up to that, that stadium, they, they have – you look around at the people wearing jerseys, and it's, it's the history of the Raiders. You yeah. Know? It's like – There's, you know, like, Bolitnikoff and, like, yeah. guys like that on the jerseys. They're, and it's, it's pretty they're, impressive. They're a loyal fan base, having, uh, having grown up with at least one – supremely loyal Raiders fan in particular, but getting to know plenty over the last decade or so as well. They're loyal, and yeah. they're, they've been patient. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so I guess my point is that those fans, they're, they're hungry. They know, they know the history of the Raiders, how great they used to be. Yeah. And so even though, you know, Schaub isn't going to, like, light it up every week, and MJD is kind of – he's not going to be putting up crazy numbers and stuff, I think they're going to respect the fact that those guys bring something that helps them win. Yeah, you know, like if they if they win more, yeah, with those guys, even if they're not like you know, whatever the the most flashy guys ever, they're gonna appreciate that. That's I what I think. I, I think the Raiders actually they'll get a lot better this year. I agree. So. I think they're on the upswing, uh, or on the verge. They're everything that they've done yeah. should put them on the upswing, right? Well, I like, think maybe. I mean, it's it's yet to be seen, but I think the thing is like considering their situation, they did the right things. They're adding leadership to the locker room, right? So yeah. it's gonna it's gonna help them. It may it may or may not be enough given the side of talent on the roster. Sure. But it sounds like they're starting to make the right decisions and try to like we gotta set a base here, get some leadership in the locker room, then start adding pieces. Yeah. And in a couple years it might start paying off, you know? Yeah. And I mean, hey, let's say, you know, not to completely segue to the draft, but while we're talking about the Raiders, with that pick, yeah, we talked about Mandel earlier. They really feel like this guy could be the game changer down the road. Maybe that's who they take. But I think if, if things fall into place correctly, uh, if the Raiders can take Sammy Watkins and plug him into what they've already got working with the 50-50 share running back, 
with James Jones, with Schaub, you know, being good Schaub and not bad Schaub kind of a situation. It'll be um, better Schaub with Watkins there. You would think so, yeah. 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 And and I'm just saying, like, all of that, it's all suddenly like, well, everything we're talking about is either uh, is either at least partially positive or majoritively positive, yeah. right? I'd be surprised if Watkins is on the board at number five, personally. There, some things would have to happen, like, like yeah. things would, or things would have to not happen for well, for right. that for that to work. Would have to not get picked. That would that, that's what I mean. <laughs> um, but you know, p- players fall into teams' laps like that sometimes. Yep. And I mean, number five still that's a high pick, so he could be there. Yeah, I mean, Clowney's going to go in the first five for sure. I think um, where where he goes could set everything else into motion. Yeah. Right? I mean, you want to be in the Hall of Fame, play for 13, 14, 15 years. Yeah. You know, it means that you've been relatively productive that whole time, uh, productive yeah. enough to stay on a team, and you've racked up stats because you've just been there for a long time compared to everybody else. You know, yeah. all those well, Hall of Famers, they suck. They just they, all they had going for them was that longevity. That's that's well, not what I meant at all. But that, well, that just creates and that just creates a whole. <laughs> that just creates a whole thing. You want to no, no, you want to no, respond no, to that? You hated you that <laughs> All these Hall of Famers are get out of here with that. Come on. Joe Montana. His only thing was like he just stayed in the league for a long time. Yeah, that's all he did. Him and his bird legs. They just survived the whole time. Uh, yeah, all yeah. You know, Jerry Rice is a full <laughs> career and a half ahead of. He's just average. Uh, Every totally year average. for a long totally time. Average. <laughs> he just played on a good team, right? Yeah, yeah. He just got lucky. Yeah. Good yeah. situation. Played on a good team. <laughs> oh, man. Guys, guys, like, guys like Dan Marino, they you just – You have a smile you know, on your face, but, I, you know, I know inside you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> I've never wanted to kill you more. No. No. Uh, I, 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 I do totally agree with the overall point, though. It's just that to be a Hall of Famer and put up Hall of Fame numbers, it has as much to do with longevity as it does yeah. – Consistency, Smith right? Is a perfect yeah. example. Evans right? is a perfect example. Like right? good running back, yeah. you know, you can kind of you count on count on him at the goal line and yeah. stuff. But the fact that he played forever, right, helps. Yeah. Right, exactly. Like you talk about something like the career rushing mark, which a lot of people yeah. talk to and, or talk about, and you know, the career uh, passing touchdown mark as well. It's kind of like these are the the home run uh, equivalents as far as the home run like record Jerome goes. Davis, you know? if he'd played as long as Emmett played, yeah, his numbers. Tomlinson. Yeah. Right. Right. You know. Guys could be look look at look at Favre with with his, uh, his all of the records that he has really yeah like most most completions most attempts most touchdowns mm-hmm. most picks most yards all the stuff that he has you get why he has that yeah because he was slinging it all over every the yard game yeah he played every game for like 18 years he didn't <laughs> miss a game <laughs> you're gonna rack up some stats in that yeah but I, but I think this is a this will be a challenge for the NFL going forward, we're, we're, we're in an era now where 10, 20 years ago, a player could play for three to five years and just sort of disappear. And they could go on to have a great personal career in life, or they could go on and do other things that they, they end up broke and, and completely frustrated with life. Yeah, happens but, but now we're in this era of social media where people can't disappear, so to speak. You yeah, know, it's yeah. like, they were a star, but they lasted three years in the NFL. What's going to happen next? Yeah. And that's why I'm fascinated by programs, not to bring it back to NCAA, but that's why I'm fascinated by programs like Stanford yeah. where they're saying, you know what? We're going to try as best as possible to balance education and athletics and see where that goes. Now, yes, they're still pushing athletics and doing big things with their programs, but 
Uh, I admire at least, at least on paper, it looks like their kids are getting an education as yeah. well. Unfortunately, I think they're the exception rather than the rule. You know, I think most a lot of big schools, you know, they milk the big sports for all the money they can, and it supports the other sports and stuff. It kind of keeps the program going. But, um, you know, the well, actually, the the whole thing with the Northwestern where the they the players are now considered employees of the university. They unionize, they can unionize yeah. right? Yeah. That's a that's a huge deal. Correct. It's going to change the landscape of college sports, not just college football, Absolutely. but college sports. Yeah. Uh, they're talking about what kind of what kind of college landscape we're going to have in you know as soon as like I don't know 2016, 2018, like three, yeah. four years from now. Yeah. You know, like. And, uh, and I'm not uh, I'm I'm not one to argue that the kids should get the money right then and there. Maybe. They're, you know, they obviously get the scholarships today and so forth. Maybe there's a little bit of a stipend, but I'm 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 curious about the idea that there's something set aside for these kids that are essentially generating an enormous amount of income, both for the colleges and for the NCAA. And oftentimes, it's coming at the price of their physical, like their bodies. Yeah. Because yeah. most of those kids don't make it to the NFL. Agreed. And I mean, you talk about people started, you know, we, we've been talking about the draft a little bit here and there. And uh, for those of our loyal listeners that listen to podcast episode one, yes, uh, everyone that's talked to me outside of that podcast even should know at this point that I'm a huge supporter of, of Jadavian Clowney as the number one pick in the draft. And people are talking about, well, well, what about his work ethic? What about this and that? And it's yeah. all these are all the things in question right now. Yeah. Uh, he was in a almost lose-lose situation this year where if he went all out and dominated college athletics like he had before and was ca- and is capable of doing, uh, the best thing it would have done for him is guarantee the number one pick, which is great, yeah. sure. But, or he doesn't put himself at risk mm-hmm. at all through, yeah. throughout all that, blows up the combine as he did, yes. blows up his pro day as he did, yes. and now is still in the conversation for yeah. number one pick. Yeah. So, yes, he would have solidified that, yeah. but he's... As far as he's concerned, he's in the same position, right? Yeah, and totally. and what and what? He's fully healthy in that position. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a really smart move at this point. Is it? I is mean, it? Is it? Is a business decision? Yeah, absolutely. And and as a decision for your own career. Yeah, one of my one of my, I don't know anyone anyone that talks about the old glory days of uh, of the of 90s 90s football and, and stuff like that when I started really watching football yeah uh, you know Deion Sanders was kind of like larger than life at the time mm-hmm. and he had so many amazing quotes and stuff in his career one of which was he referred to tackling from the cornerback position he referred to tackling as a business decision mm. meaning that yeah he could tackle a guy if he needs to if he yeah. needs to but if he tackles a guy and gets hurt yeah. well guess what it's bad for business yeah well, you, you look at you look at any sport; it's fascinating. You know, you take like you know the game tonight, Final Four, ball's going out of bounds, thirty seconds into the game. If that kid dives for the ball and potentially like hits a chair or something on the sideline and breaks an, a wrist or something, like he's out the rest of the game. It's like yep. that possession isn't worth right. like the right. one hundred and twenty yeah. percent effort yeah. just to. It's, yeah. And it's, we flash back to a yeah. flash back to Clowney, a oh, one low block. Yeah. Wrecks your knee, wrecks your ankle, something yeah. like that. Or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Uh, That's really yeah. interesting, especially to have that, to be that 
that aware at the college level to say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna he knew. I'm gonna pause a beat. Yeah. He and knew he's like, he's like regardless of what happens, yeah. I'm not going lower than top five. Yeah. So guess what? I'll be able to play for the next ten years. Yeah. He's more easily. That's still not guaranteed, but there's more likelihood of that happening if he doesn't get his knee wrecked in college yeah. or something like that, right? Absolutely. And two years prior, he watched a star running back at his college, Marcus Lattimore, yeah. have his knee injured. Yeah. Uh, or his knee was injured, not had yeah. it injured like someone maliciously injured it, but it was injured. Yeah. Out for the year. Guess Super what? talented. Instead of being a top, easily top five, top yeah. ten pick, he fell to like the third round, fourth round. Yeah. Something like that. He's the, at the, uh, the 49ers. The, 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 Niner, the Niners took him yeah. in a complete value situation. He was at the uh, Gamecocks or something? Yes. Yeah. Sarah, uh, South Carolina. Yeah. As was Clowney. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure that put some put some thoughts in, in the Clowney's head as far as, yeah. like, hey, this could change just that quickly. Yeah. Just you know? like, man, that's that, – it's fascinating to think about that where these – these, and, and, I mean, they're not kids. They're – well, they're, they're men. They're giant grown men. Yes. 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 And uh, but the fact that they're they're starting to realize, you know what? If I want to make a career out of this, you got to be I, around. Yeah, you got to be around. Yeah. And if I kill myself in That's college, what? yeah, yeah. And we're and we don't even hear the stories of kids whose careers are over in high school because nope, nope. those stories don't make national headlines. Do not even hear about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had uh, just just yes. I, I don't know if the injury happened yesterday or. If just reports of it happened uh, late yesterday or early today, uh, there's uh, an offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman, I believe he's a guard at Clemson, who's a highly touted draft uh, player coming out in the draft. Yeah. And he was probably going to be one of the first couple players at that position taken, maybe even the first interior lineman taken. Yeah. Hurts his knee during his pro day. Mm. And it's bad. It's like, oh. it's bad. It's like not career threatening, but it's, it's certainly threatening this year. Like wow. it, it's, it's probably an a, I think it's an ACL. Wow. And so guess what? Now he goes from being, again, like maybe not a top 10 pick because of the, the way the draft is set up and maybe not a lot of people need the interior line as much, but let's say a first round pick easily, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe early second round. Now he's going to be lucky if he goes, you know, within the first five rounds. And mm. as far as like earning potential, at least on the front end of your career, that's a, that's a pretty big drop off, right? So how do, how do these, how do these players like Kaepernick and remind me again where Tom Brady was in the draft but uh, like I seventh round yeah so sixth round seventh round so how do these types of players how, yeah. how do these types of players these caliber players that uh, through the draft just just they're drafted and then years later we are talking about them well the, you know, so the draft process a, is kind of a it's kind of a meat market and, and we were kind of we we're so yeah. by by Andrew, Andrew was uh, restocking. Oh, yeah, he was yeah. restocking for us. He's back. Um, we were just talking about players that kind of go all out in college yeah. and almost you know, run the risk of ruining their potential career because they get injured and so forth. Um, and then, of course, the guys come out of the NFL, and within two to five, three, four or five years, they're done. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly, these, these little diamonds in the rough that come along, and they're there for years and years. I mean, you could say that Tom Brady wasn't fully physically developed when he came out. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, like you see those pictures of him. Oh yeah, the the, the classic the draft, pictures of right? him during the draft day. And, the skinny and, guy. And yeah, and I know that you 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 did um, mention Kaepernick in this as well. I don't feel like Kaepernick's like the right the right example of this of this particular thing because okay. he was still a second round pick. He's still a, a yeah. early enough pick, and you know, 
I think there are plenty of teams that ranked him as like a first-round talent, but maybe just didn't want to take a quarterback there or something like that. Yeah. What have you? Or the, like well, Rodgers Rogers was in the mid-20s, but people were saying – he had just as much right to go number one as, as Alex Smith or anything okay. like that. Right. So Alex, Alex yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, and in that case, I think I think Rodgers is, is is a good example because he parallels to Brady so well. With these guys weren't perfectly ready to play immediately. Yeah. They were just yeah. perceived to be after the fact, right? You go, how do you how do you not take Aaron Rodgers? How do you not take Rodgers? How do you not take guy? Brady? All yeah. this stuff. Yeah. Rodgers spent three years on the bench because of the situation in in, in Green Bay. Where Favre was still playing, yeah, he when he, when he felt team. like playing, he would play well. Yeah. And then in the offseason, he just didn't want to do all the offseason shit and just would say, I'm retiring. The then fact come that you're back. going in the 20s means you're going to a relatively good team. Right, so right. they have a decent quarterback, and you're so, going gonna to end up sitting because yeah. you know there's a guy ahead of you who's right. not doing, he's not right. you know, totally screwing yeah. up. So every, everything, be, and everything being said about that with Rodgers, for three years, he got to A, be completely groomed, like, and it, on record, uh, they did fix a lot of the things they didn't like about his mechanics. He held the ball, ball kind of high. They changed his, his launch point, all this stuff. Now you look at him and it's just like, oh, how the, how, how could you pass from Rodgers? But this wasn't the Rodgers yeah, that yeah. was in the draft. And, this and is a retooled, moxie, like perfectly groomed Rodgers. Right? And that's what I love. And like it's the you, same thing with Brady. You, you have a kid that's drafted and no one's paying attention and they sit on the bench for a bit or whatever, or you get RG3 – and then he's a target from day one, exactly. Which I think is this is why even riskier. This is why in the older landscape of drafting quarterbacks and stuff, that is more what Andrew and I are probably still familiar with as far as how people yeah. used to draft quarterbacks and what they used to put them through. They used to never see the field yeah. in the first year, like it, maybe even the first more than like if you'd thrown Rodgers out there his first year on if, a bad team. If Rodgers went to SF, right? If Rodgers went to SF, number one overall. Would he have been able to survive? Probably, because he's naturally a gifted athlete and can play the position. But without the the there uh, still would have been some lean years without, even with him at the right. helm, right? Without without the uh, beneficial situation that he received in Green Bay to get to like not only to retool his mechanics, but also he got to just like be just sit and watch about how to do everything as far as like how to scout, how to practice, how to you know how to watch film, how to read defenses. How to read defenses He's, he goes on record now saying, like, I don't watch the routes my receivers are running. I watch the defense, and I find the holes. And it makes sense when you watch him play because he throws people open all the time, right? If, if someone came to me and said, hey, I'm going to give you three years to become the best in the world at this one thing, and I had some inkling of talent at it, I'd be like, and I'm going to pay you millions of dollars to do that, I'd be like, yes. What do you want me to do? Play poker? Darts? Yeah. I will be the best in the world and, and at whatever you want me to do. I got this. And and Rodgers will be the first to tell you that as much as he grew up grew up a Niners fan, wanted to go to the Niners number one overall, felt like he was worthy of it, all that good stuff, he says that everything that happened was completely a blessing in disguise because of the fact that he himself needed to be humbled. He needed to be humbled that way by not playing immediately. And being this he's guy, not the most humble guy now. He's not. I mean, the the <laughs> the, the stories are superfluous that, yeah. as far as the in draft interviews that went on between uh, the Niners front office and and him. And they said the the main thing that came out of it was like, oh, he's very confident. Oh, that's yeah. a that's a very diplomatic yeah. way of saying he's cocky. Right? Yeah, for sure. Which he is, and he still is. Yeah, yeah. But but now it's he's like, earned oh, it at this but point, now it's like right? he should be. Yeah. Right. Whereas at the point they're like, oh well. You're interviewing with us for a job, buddy. I don't know if you are aware yeah, right. of how this is supposed to work. We're the ones who pay the checks. Yeah. You cash them. It's not like, you know, Brett Favre 
lacks confidence either. So sitting behind Brett Favre, I don't know. I mean, that sure. kind of sets you up to have a certain style of play maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, like kind of fearless. Kind I agree. Of, kind yeah, of approach, I agree with right? that. And, and I, I, in that aspect, there's not a lot of trade. There's not a lot of – you didn't miss a step really with that handoff from, yeah. from, from Favre to Rodgers. These guys will – they'll take the risks. I mean, they'll when, go all in. When they made that switch, though, I knew – Favre had a couple of year more years in the yeah. tank. It was pretty they surprising, right? They did too. But you can't sit Rodgers for long five you, years. How long can you keep sitting Rodgers? Yeah. You know? Because you, you know? know that. I mean, and they knew what they had, but no one else did at the time, right? Their, so their GM, their, or, yeah. uh, their, their, front, their front office was like, we've seen him every day in practice. He's yeah. been ready for longer than this. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we just, we can't. We can't put got, him off anymore. Got to let the car out of the garage eventually, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. You've been working on this car for three years. <laughs> got to let it ride. That's right. Um, and I think Brady, you know, Brady's situation was. Moderately similar, yeah. but but still, it played out you know in its own way too. Because of Bledsoe's injury, Bledsoe got hurt and he got thrust into it yeah. more so as like actually getting handed the keys. Yeah. But eventually, as we know, Bledsoe was healthy and they stuck yeah. with him. That's right. Until, until the way it magically played out, where, where Brady was hurt and then Bledsoe had to come back in and yeah, that whole yeah. thing played out. But as far as Bled- as far as Brady specifically, again, had time to sit on the bench. Yeah. Had time to see how to do it. And from a very good quarterback, right? I mean, Bledsoe's okay. probably not a Hall of Fame guy, but he's he was, he was a, a very good, good quarterback. quarterback. Yeah, he was a Pro Bowl caliber. Yeah, one of the best quarterbacks at the time. Yeah, yeah. And also, like I said with Rodgers, where or I I meant I meant to say this with Rodgers, I didn't get to that point yet. Where the team he inherited was actually ready to roll too. Mm-hmm. The, they had a high-scoring offense. With Favre, they were kind of, they were still, that motor was still humming. Yeah. And you plug him in, and it was just like more horsepower to an already like yeah, yeah. powerful engine, right? With Brady, it was just, they were a defensive team, they were a running team. Yeah. You didn't have to ask him to do a whole lot, except That's a good situation, be, actually. be efficient and right. don't mess it up. And then, the, of course, it expanded into what Brady is now, obviously, yeah, yeah. which I don't, for no one in the right mind would call. Brady a game manager now, but guess what? <laughs> no. He did win some Super Bowls being a game manager. Yeah. You know? And right. it all goes from there. It's just like not all quarterbacks that get the keys handed to them the way Brady was yeah. are capable of not all of them are capable of making the transition that he did. It shows that he's still, all things aside, yeah. one of the best ever at the position. Totally agree. Yeah. It's totally crazy. His competitive nature, his preparation, his ability to execute, and just like his like leadership, yeah. like not letting anything die. Yep. He's that guy. So how did those guys get lost in the draft? Is how we started talking about all this. Right. And I think it's just it's the same old Rocky Balboa example, right? You can't measure someone's heart. You yeah. just can't measure yeah. what they've got inside of them that's going to motivate them, right? That's why. So the draft seems like it's like my comment earlier was that it's a kind of a meat market, right? So it's kind of like all the measurables, you know, like how fast you are, the you know three cone drill. All that stuff. But then there's this kind of heart factor. Like, can you measure that from, like, film? Like, like is that why game film is so important? Like, yeah. you can kind of see, yeah. like, you know, Manziel rallying his team. Yeah. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. Like, that's that's the stuff that it may carry over. or sure. It's just but such an inexact science. It's kind of maddening. Yeah, and the thing with the quarterback especially, having heart's great. And having leadership skills are great. I don't doubt that when push comes to shove, RG3 wants to win. I don't yeah. doubt that when push comes to shove, Cam Newton wants to win. Yeah. But when you want someone to be your leader all the time, but play at an elite level all the time too, yeah. that's the difference. Because you know who had a whole lot of heart? 
Tim Tebow had a whole lot of heart That's and true. leadership qualities, <laughs> and was like a, he could get a group. Oh God. He could get a group of people to rally, yeah. right? But guess what? Couldn't do all the other stuff that yeah. are requisite to the position, right? So, you know, what would you? What would? Oh man, that guy. Three balls in the dirt, and then like a touchdown, like a 60-yard touchdown pass. I mean, a given, let's say, 20 attempts out of 20 attempts. Yeah. Three would be on the money. Yeah. One but of those is probably for a long did score. Did he have any games where he had 20 attempts? I feel like yeah. he had like 12 no, attempts. No, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. attempts. He did have multiple games where he had. I don't know. Put him in the middle, please. Yeah, I'll see who. Uh, Ryan, our Ryan. Ryan, how are the Bears doing this week, man? I don't know. I haven't been paying attention. <laughs> what? Probably shitty. Yeah. Hey, you know what we didn't give you props for last week, or two weeks ago, was um, I didn't even know the Bears signed Lamar Houston. That's a that's a solid pickup, man. He's a he's a really good player, and adding oh was a really good player. Can still be a really good player. Still capable of that. Is but he gonna be that guy that provides the leadership that uh, Erlacher? There's always hope, and the last thing you ever lose is hope. So we can always have hope. <laughs> that's the most fortune cookie shit I've heard in a long time. That's fantastic. <laughs> One thing I'd like to talk about. Is Deshaun Jackson. So we talked a little bit about, you know, be, we're, our last podcast was more about why. Yeah, right, like right, what's right, going right. on here. Yeah. Um, now, and that was, you know, we didn't release it until he actually found the landing spot. Sure. But, but anyway, he he has a team now. Yep. He's with the team from Washington. Um, he's going to make that team better, I think. Agreed. On the field. On the field. That's where I love to specify. In the locker room. Yeah. Is he going to make him better? Probably not. Doubt it. Yeah, doubt it. Doubt it. Is he going to be a big disruption? Is he going to like? This is where it gets dicey. Where do, how do you right? see it playing out? Because, and despite more recent conversations I've had with people where they feel like an example or sorry a correlation between Deshaun Jackson and Terrell Owens is apparently asinine, from what some people I've talked to have said. Really? I don't agree with that, and that's a whole other conversation. Uh, well, I think the I think the examples and correlations are completely they're completely logical because. You keep talking about when we talk about T.O., we say a lot of the same things that we talk about with Deshaun Jackson, where on the field is not the issue. Yeah, he makes some True. dumb decisions here and there with like putting the ball down a yard away from the touchdown and all this stuff. Sure, those happen. That was but, unfortunate. But guess what? T.O. also had a ton of drops on the field, and we weren't talking about that when we talk about T.O. We talk about him being a game changing, affecting wide receiver, a Hall of Fame caliber as far as most of his numbers are concerned. Yeah. But it's off the field that, as it's a continual problem, people don't care about on the field as much yeah. over time. Yeah. So if Deshaun wears out his welcome in Washington, let's say, let's already already flash forward. He's already been there for a week. Let's say we <laughs> we flash forward and we flash forward and, and a year from now, two yeah. years from now, there they've had it with him. Yeah. Well, guess what? As fast as he is, as game breaking as he is, all that good stuff, people start to go, "Is he worth the headache?" Yeah, I guess that's true. So that's what happened with Terrell, right? He was at San Terrell Francisco and Randy Moss. So Terrell was at San Francisco, San Francisco, and he was at Philadelphia. Philadelphia. And then people are like, yeah. They're like, you know, I don't know. Still problems. And then Philly. His quarterback under the bus. And yeah, and then Philly still lets him it. go and is like, we don't care where you end up. And he goes to Dallas and yeah. still puts up great numbers in Dallas. Yeah. But guess what? Even Dallas, with all of its propensity for dealing with big personalities yeah. and everything like that, even they said it was too much. Yeah. So at what point is it, oh. oh. So, so you think that Deshaun's going to do the same thing? Like it's. I don't think that he's. I don't. I don't think. I don't say I'm 100% sure he's gonna do the same okay. thing. But if it ends up playing out that way, I'm not gonna be all that surprised. 
Because anyone yeah. that's willing to wear out is welcome in a system like Philly where he's in a perfect fit. Yeah, I and know. all he has to do is that's the thing that's so confusing. All about he has to do is not he's piss such off a good the coach fit for that offense, and then he's exactly what that offense needs. You, you start hearing about all this stuff about how he's a locker room problem. He's throwing tantrums at Chip Kelly during the season last year, and all this stuff that you yeah. hear about. It's like all you had to do was not do that. Where did the so the whole the gang rumors? Where did that come from? This is this is a whole like big thing that's blown up with the whole gang thing, right? People are saying that the Eagles like. Uh, sort of sparked this fire and just to make themselves look better as far as letting him go. Some people are saying that he's like a victim, that they're using his past and where he came from as like a, as a, as a basis for some kind of... So actually, I really appreciated Richard Sherman kind of coming to his defense saying like, you know, like a third of the NFL, you could say they have some kind of gang affiliation sure. because they, sure. they know guys from the, pl the neighborhoods where they grew up. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's so unfair to say, yeah. like, just because of where you grew up, you have gang affiliation. That right? I agree with completely. That I agree so with where completely. did these rumors come from? Or, like, was it was it Philadelphia that was sparking this? That's a, so there's, there's like, a conglomerate of, of, of football fans, what have you, that say that. They say Philly, the, the organization started the rumors, or at least, like, lit the, lit the fuse that started the rumors. And then the story started coming out, and then it made them look better as an organization, saying yeah. we're getting rid of this problematic figure, what have you. And I do agree with what Sherman's saying as far as, oh well, you take someone who was caught on video screaming racial slurs the year before. Right. He plays for you throughout the year. Yep. You give him a contract extension. You got your other guy who is affiliated, quote unquote. Right. Which affiliated could mean any Anything. number of things. And then you let him go. But the thing is, I just want to keep coming back to you with the people that I'm at odds with on this overall topic yeah. with letting Deshaun go is it wasn't just one thing. It wasn't just affiliations, quote unquote. Right. It wasn't just him wanting a new contract all the time. It wasn't just his tantrums. No, you're it was right. everything, yeah, yeah. Yeah. right? You put and it all so together, it's not worth it. You put it all together, how many problems does a guy need to be causing yeah. to be let go from an organization, yeah, right? Yeah. So. I do agree with Sherman being like, hey, Philly, what's up with this? You keep Riley sure. Cooper, but you let Deshaun Jackson go. Well, guess what? When the deciding factor is who's more of a problem yeah. overall. Yeah. Oh, Riley Cooper, racial slurs and all, not excusing that. But since then, I guess he's been a good teammate. Or I yeah. guess he's been a good guy in the locker room. Well, I don't room. think his, his teammates didn't have a problem with him even when that happened. But right? he still, it could have been, you know, it was a gut check time. He could have been a problem from there on, right? Sure. But yeah, wasn't. Yeah. Whereas Deshaun, okay, you were a diva at some point. We still yeah. gave you a contract extension. You had a great year. You're still a diva, and you still yeah. want more money. I know, and yeah. you're still you're still whining, going crazy in the locker room. It's like there's not the same. But if, so if, I think if there's all these other things going wrong, like why bring up the gang stuff? It just it has the potential to backfire from a PR standpoint. That's it why. Seem like it's that's why I don't think, as despite these rumors and conspiracy theorists that are saying Philly started it. Yeah. That's why I say it doesn't make as much sense because yeah. what that tells saying that a front office chose this guy in the draft and then had this guy play them for, for them for so many years yeah. and do mostly well yeah. um, and then cut the guy because of affiliations starting a rumor doesn't negate the fact that the front office made a bad choice. Right? That's, I mean, like, he played there six years? Is six that right? Years, I mean, yeah. It's not like you just found out he has gang affiliates. No, that's what I'm saying. You would have known the whole so, time. I don't think two and two doesn't equal four right. with me as far as Philly being 
the like catalyst for this yeah. this rumor, right? Yeah. I think it came to the fact that yeah, he had. They were wondering about it. They were worried about it. They're extra. Maybe. They're extra. Maybe they're extra worried about a Aaron Hernandez situation or something like that coming up, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what everyone's worried about right now. Right. I get it. But affiliations doesn't isn't causality for blame, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, now RG3 is. RG3. Amir, hours ago on Twitter. I'm your live Twitter feed right here on the podcast. Um, players have each other's back. New year. Trent Williams defends the Sean. I mean, you have a brand new teammate. What are you going to do? You got to defend the you guy, have right? To. And, and for someone like RG3. To show you have his back. Deshaun Jackson, of all people, oh my God. has a direct correlation to, so happy to the rest the of your there. career, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah, I have, I have to say, like, RG3 is doing what he should be doing right now by yeah. saying that. And yeah. so is Trent Williams, and so is anyone else on, on the team from Washington that decides to, yeah. decides to back him, you know? Yeah. But I think if this serves as a reality check for Deshaun that he needs to be as good of a teammate off the field as he is a player on the field, yeah. then then he's going to have a long long career. He's still he's 27 years old. and He's going to have at least two really good games a, a year. <laughs> oh, yeah. We know that. Twice. Once at Washington and once at Philly. Yeah, right. He will be going off. You draft him just for those two games. And the rest of the year, he'll filter out and he'll still. Be 14, but he'll be, he'll be out. Boom. And now we take a break where I rant about hard work and shutting your mouth and just proving yourself on the field. Come on, like, oh, yeah. I testify. I just, I will take a player any day that checks the ego at the door uh-huh. and proves himself on the field. There you go. I don't care if like on the field, he's mouthing off to the other team and trying to get. That's just like, part of the game, right? Yeah, there. trying yeah. to get trying to get the game going but in the locker room that's your team and you just gotta man man up you are making millions of dollars dollars. unless you're at the nfl like baseline which is probably like five hundred eighty thousand dollars a year but still that's not a bad thing either um but if you're making millions of dollars and and uh, as far as the amount of money Deshaun was making in Philly and, and how good he was in Philly, I, I think most most football fans will say for a receiver of his nature, putting up the numbers that he had while they were good and explosive, I don't know if the guy was worth $10.5 million yeah. as far as the slate comparatively to other wide receivers, right? You compare him to, like, a Calvin, a Fitz, an Andre, a Des Bryant, a Julio, you kind of like think any of that's because of his quarterback situation. You have Vicks throwing to you. He's not not reading defenses. Like, you know what I mean? Like, is he putting up his numbers are, are worse because he doesn't have a, a top quality quarterback? Yeah, but uh, I mean, th- and this is an overall conversation that we can extend to all all the positions in football as far as what guys should be getting paid and what what they're getting paid right now and all that stuff. A lot of people take the view of contracts as. Well, this guy's worth that much, right? Yeah. Potential, right? And I agree to some extent about slating a contract a certain way as to potential, right? But when you're paying a guy up front 
to do stuff that he hasn't really done yet, then you're kind of setting yourself up for that to sort of backfire on you, right? If he was putting up the Calvin Fitzgerald type of numbers, right, this would not be in question. Ten and a half, what have you, would not be in question. Whether or not he's had a quarterback or not, Andre Johnson hasn't had a quarterback for a long time. When he had he had shop for what three good years? Before that, he had he had David Carr getting killed a lot, who was not a bad quarterback, just getting killed a lot. That's an excellent point you made. You know, <laughs> receivers that type of position though, right? Where there is requisites between a quarterback and receiver, and what can it do? For, other than two years of having three years of having Kurt Warner, who did Larry Fitzgerald have? Yeah. So, so let me, let me bring this up to the organizational level. What organizations put up with the egos, the locker room antics, the press antics of player individual players making it about themselves and yet are still successful versus organizations that say, you know what? Check that ego at the door and come be a part of this team. I mean, my general sense with Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, with the 49ers is that, hey, we are going to work and we are going to make something happen. Yep. And, you know, I mean, there's still egos on the team, but but how, like, where do you strike that balance where you're dealing with a bunch of egos I think he and then you're just trying to win a Super Bowl? Because he, he lets guys have a little bit of ego, yeah. but he also makes it about the team. It's like he's, yeah. like, Belichick is the guy who makes you, you check, you check the ego at the door or you don't play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's kind of the, on one end of the spectrum. Yeah. And then there are probably some strong coaches who can kind of, manage some egos um, and then there are guys who aren't strong enough to manage the egos they have egos on the team and they have all this kind of like strife in the locker room Harbaugh is a guy who can like he can have some strong personalities around because he is a strong personality too and he can kind of roll with that I think I don't know you, nor you're the, the I, Niners expert here no, so. I, <laughs> expert is a loser you're listening to us say all this stuff and you're like I can't wait to talk no, I'm totally I'm, I'm in overall I'm in overall agreement you know with, with all that stuff I think that Harbaugh's personality caters to his ability to meet the players on their level because at his core, he still looks at things like he's a player. Like that's still his, his enthusiasm, his everything that he brings. He wears cleats on the sidelines. Like he, if he throws in warmups, two receivers, he, he throw, you know, he slings it. Like he wishes he could still be out there. Really. You can totally tell, right? As far as coaches that get, get, the best response, or maybe not the best, but get really great responses out of their players still, while letting them be their own, what have you. I it it, tur- it turns a knife into my heart to say it, but the team that just won the Super Bowl has a lot of personalities on it, Man. and and has a lot of a lot of people that are larger. Like they're you got outspoken oh, that's, players, that's a really good point, left yeah. and right, and. You let and Pete Carroll lets them be their own guys. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, and people are getting interviewed after games, except for one tangent that <laughs> I I know we we're all Third gonna former Stanford player. Except that we know we're gonna get about it some podcast. Um, overall, even that, even even yeah. even Richard Sherman included, they all said team team stuff when yeah. they were getting interviewed. Yeah, yeah. And I think Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, they set kind of the tone. Where they're it's like, like a style of coaching, right? Like it is. He's a total raw, raw quarterback, and so for guys to be pumped up and kind of about themselves a little bit, as yep. long as they're buying into the, the system and yeah. they're backing their teammate up, it's okay, right? Like 
He's okay with it. He's using that us against the world mentality, right? Yeah. And the thing that's funny about PK and Harbaugh and their whole like clear distaste for each other is that they both use the same thing. They yeah. just do it differently. Yeah. Harbaugh does it where he's like, he's like, oh, guess what? It's not that they're necessarily everyone against us, but we want to be us against everybody. He's yeah. trying to make that kind of mantra happen all the time, yeah. right, with the Niners, where Pete Carroll's like, oh, guess what? Um, bulletin board material, bulletin board material, you know, rah, rah, let's get, let's get fired up. Ah, everyone rah, get rah, crazy, rah. right? Yeah. So two, conve- two different conventions that overall go for the same result, yeah. which is just unify the team and yeah. and then they go out together, and that's be, how they roll. You gotta be unified and you gotta believe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing I think Pete Carroll's really good at. Yeah. He made those guys believe that's the that they were the best team in the league. Once you that do they that, they could shut down anybody. Yeah. They could move the ball against anybody. Yeah. And yeah. then they did it. Yeah. And and again, twisting the knife in the heart. Uh-huh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> this this the Seattle defense that we just saw. I don't yeah. think people appreciate statistically how crazy it was. Yeah. As far as yards per game, points per game, and uh, overall, I think, points on the season they allowed, there's some magic trifecta of stats that hasn't been done by a defense since the 85 Bears. I was going to ask, that, are they in the conversation? As far as I'm concerned, yeah, they're in the conversation because as good as the 85 Bears were, as great as the 85 Bears were, they played an era where defense was still seen as like it was a 50-50 battle. It right, is not right. a 50-50 battle anymore no, the, the rules with have rules changed, and right? offenses and yeah. how they're designed against defenses. Yeah. For a defense to be doing anything remotely po- remotely tangential to – sorry, remotely correlative to yeah. the 85 Bears in this day and age of defense yeah. is outrageous. Yeah, it is. Outrageous. Kind of, it's nutrageous. God, I hate Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> and on a positive note, uh, the 49ers came very close to beating them in the playoffs, whereas the Denver Broncos – were a uh, high mile away from beating them. They were a high mile. They were an awkward yeah, moment. Yes, they were an awkward yes. moment away. And by awkward moment, I mean when the <laughs> U.S. women's Olympic team scores more points in a game yes. than the Broncos do. Yes. Mm. Well. There's some work to do. That is that. Yes, yes. There's some work to do. Um, uh, you, you said ice your, hockey, your right? Overall, your overall question, too, about teams that try to deal with these larger personalities but then aren't able to I think the reason that none of the teams we talked about that are able to yeah uh, I probably worded that terribly the teams that are able to handle the big personalities but still have it be about the team those are teams that are still in the perennial winning conversations right the teams that get absorbed by these larger personalities that can handle them they're the ones that finish eight and eight don't make the playoffs Get one and done the playoffs, that kind of thing. Yeah. We got to get this guy into the league. Yeah. The league that we play in. Yeah. Because, no offense, Paul. Yeah. The competition's not that strong. <laughs> but well, you're talking to a man who I put all yeah. of my eggs. All your eggs in, in the, the Kaepernick basket. Kaepernick basket. There you go. Which was fun. I should have known that this year he wasn't going to throw as much or throw a touchdown. So I didn't win this league this year, but two years ago. Yeah. Or yeah. Year, you know, I think year there before should, I won. I think there should be, like, some league override in fantasy where yeah. if your quarterback wins the Super Bowl, you just automatically win. I disagree with that. Yeah? So, because the whole, 
Because the whole point of fantasy football is that none of it has to do with the real playoffs. If it was, <laughs> well, if, if it was about, I'm, I'm sorry, well, maybe, the lead, maybe the that's not the whole point, that point. But yeah. it's just that yeah. that doesn't have as much to do with it. No, but there's still some consolation prize. Like, yeah, if you're, exactly. If your quarterback, running back, and wide receiver that's win the mean. Super Bowl, yeah, you should get like half the pot. Yeah, I should get a T-shirt right? that at least says that's like, my quarterback won the Super Bowl. I that's all I get. You should get some okay, kind okay of recognition. I'm okay with that. Yeah, you should get like the getting all the pot just because you're. Let's go. Oh, oh, I had Flacco on the bench, <laughs> and then he ran and won the championship. Oh, I win everything now. No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's happy. a good point. All right. Yeah. Hey, thanks for joining us for the Slant and Go. It's been fun for us. Hopefully it's fun for you, too. We'll find out, I guess, by whether we see people downloading the, the podcast. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Woo. Slant and Go. Welcome to episode two of the Slant and Go here at world famous Paul and Eddie's Bar and Grill, minus the grill, where the Jaeger flows like wine and the talent was apparently a lot more boisterous on a Wednesday. You can find us and follow us even at the Slant and Go on Twitter. You can read our musings and listen to our ramblings via our Tumblr, the Slant and Go tumblr.com should you find us and take a picture of us you could even upload that picture to instagram and tag us as the slant and go is there this any is social media you haven't conquered how about facebook.com slash the slant go i use my organization i use my personal facebook as the slant and go's official facebook <laughs> so we don't have one yet okay what is that? Uh, can i snapchat you at the slant and go only you can Snapchat me, because I know what it's gonna involve. But this is a this is a glorious a glorious podcast of ours. We talk about everything and anything concerning the world of football, fantasy, free agency, do's, don'ts, horrible decisions, and wonderful decisions, all at the same time. <laughs>